This summer, the big house project and yard project for Michelle and for me and for the kids was to build a pergola off the back of our house. And a pergola is kind of this open air roof, uh, open beams that come off the back of the house and create a seating area underneath it in the backyard. And you can grow vines up over it. And it's something that Michelle's been wanting for, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so. So clearly we didn't want to rush into this project, but finally got the, the motivation and set aside the time and the energy and designed it and built it ourselves and now we have this wonderful place out in the backyard to sit but you know the pergola kind of starts from the house and goes out it's about nine feet tall and goes out about 16 feet out into the backyard and then has these three posts that are sunk into the yard that support it at the other end and as I was thinking about the, the topic for this week from Scripture, I began to feel like the pergola might be the perfect metaphor for how to understand this concept that I want us to dig into together in God's Word and think about as apprentices of Christ. Because if you think about the pergola, right, it has to start from the house, and the house is an immovable object, so it's not going anywhere. And once you start at the house and go out, you have to make sure that those three posts and that outer edge in the backyard are level and that they're flat. And that when, you, when you're done, the thing doesn't look like it's got rolls or waves in it or tipped to the side or it's just got to be perfectly straight and perfectly level. But if you measure at the house, say, okay, I need to be nine feet tall and then go out in the yard and measure at nine feet, the nine feet isn't nine feet because the ground goes up, the ground goes down. You know, if you're trying to bury these posts in the ground like we did, sometimes you hit rocks, sometimes you hit ledge, sometimes it's soft dirt. And so if you just say, well, I need a nine foot post, I need a little bit more to bury it in the ground, that a measurement is going to end up with all sorts of inconsistent results. What we need is to get to a perfectly level set point, and the house determines what that point is. And so we took one beam, put it on the house, and sent it out into the yard and supported it, and then measured down from that. We created this standard of measurement, this perfectly level point that we have to reach. And when we build everything else, it's got to go up to that point and it doesn't matter if the ground goes up or down. We have to measure so that it matches this level point coming out from the house. And I thought, well, that's kind of like how it is with God because God is this immovable thing and, and we're trying to match up to him. We're trying to like connect with him, but we don't know how far we have to go or grow and we, we don't know what that standard looks like and looks seemingly different for different people. And when we measure by ourselves, if we just reached our hand up and said, okay, I need it to be about eight or nine feet tall, so here it is. We measure by ourselves. If we stand in a lower part of the yard, our measurement is going to be lower. The ground changes on us. And then when we dig, we hit different obstacles. So we can't measure from the ground up to say, how far have I gone? Because it doesn't matter how far you've gone, it matters where you're trying to get. And Christ is kind of like that single beam that comes straight out from God. You know, God, the, the house, my father's house has many rooms, like this metaphor, you can take it as far as you want. But Jesus comes straight out lovely from the house and just provides this perfect point to say, this is where I measure. And, and if we're wise, we're going to start from Christ and measure down which I think is the opposite of what we do as people. I think we start at the ground and say, well, here I am. I'm trying to go further. I'm trying to go further. And we look at someone who's standing next to us and maybe they're a little bit higher. Maybe they're a little bit taller. Maybe they've started on an elevated place. Maybe they started in a ditch. 
Maybe we have different things that are under the surface that we're digging through. It's going to be harder. And when we measure against each other, we compare ourselves to one another. Like, oh, I'm further along in our, my faith than them. Or how could they do that? Or, man, I could never be as, as good as that person. And yet, none of us are, are Christ, right? This standard of Christ, which is straight out, straight level from the Father, from the house of God, is for us to start from and measure down. And what happens when we measure up is we just compare ourselves to one another. There's a, a scripture in 2 Corinthians 10 where Paul is saying, verse 12, he says, we don't dare compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. So he's like, I'm not going to compare myself with someone who's saying how great, great they are. Like, I'm not playing a comparison game with these people. He says, but when they, these sorts of people, actually measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. They do not get it. It makes no sense. They're foolish. They're blind. They can't get it. When you compare yourself with one another, when you measure themselves by one another, it shows that you have no concept of where you're actually trying to go to. Comparison is a killer. And comparison actually is the wrong kind of measurement, which will actually end up with tons of faulty structures that we build in our lives. And sometimes we get far enough in the areas that we're building and we realize this thing is way out of whack. This is not level at all. This whole structure is flimsy. It's wobbling. Why? Well, what standard of unit are you measuring by? Are we measuring by ourselves? Well, look how far I've come. Well, measure down from Christ. Look what it looks like to look like him. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. How do we measure ourselves against Christ? Do we need to live in first century, uh, you know, Roman empire? Do we need to be a wandering evangelist? Do we need to work miracles? Do we need to rise from the dead? Like what's the standard of measurement that Jesus has given us? The Bible is very clear about this, actually. The standard unit of measurement that we're given from Christ is humility. Humility is how we measure the, the amazingness of what Christ did. He was God and he humbled himself to become man. It's how we measure ourselves against our own pride, against our own sinfulness. We humble ourselves and it's how we are to look at each other, not how far do I measure from the ground up, how far have I gotten or how far have you gotten, because that makes us compare ourselves with one another. And it's unfair because some people start with a much higher starting point. If you started off in a wealthy family in a safe area of the globe, or if you start off in a very poverty-stricken area, in a very unsafe, dangerous part of the world. You're starting at different places and to compare yourself to them is a point of pride then that hopefully I can help them get up to my level. Mm. But if you start from Christ who was God, who gave all of that up willingly and measured down, then we realize, oh, we're all striving to grow up into Christ, to build whatever our structures in our lives, our, our families, our marriages, our, our, our talents, our, our mission, our, uh, our intellect, our emotions, our heart, soul, spirit. You know, I'm trying to build up into Christ. The way we measure that is by humility. The humility of Christ is the standard of measurement that we use. Um, so if you think about the scriptures that prove this point, this is not just my standard of measurement. Think about what Jesus said. He said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am humble, which means lowly, and meek, prouse, in spirit, and you'll find rest for your soul. So he's inviting people to come to him as an apprentice to become lowly, and that will actually be a source of peace for them. Hmm, does that sound familiar? When we're striving against each other, when we're measuring against each other and playing the comparison game, isn't comparison such a killer? Don't we find that it's a never-ending pursuit and that it's really like self-defeating when we compare ourselves to one another? Jesus is saying, but when you become lowly like me and you bind yourself to me and we lower ourselves below everyone to the lowest possible spot, you're actually going to find the freedom that you're looking for. If you think about uh, James uh, chapter 4, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Do we find so many times as we're striving to take that next step to excel, to succeed, to get to the next level in our marriage, to grow a little bit, that it feels like we're hitting roadblocks left and right? Is it possible that God is opposing you? He's actually giving you the stiff arm. He's holding you back because it's coming from a place of trying to start from the ground up and get further, get further, get further. Actually, when we start from Christ and we measure down, we realize, oh, we all have so far to go. And it was in that lowering of himself that then God exalted him. If Jesus started from such a high place and went so low, that was his recipe for success. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 says it this way. Uh, it says, if there's any encouragement from the example of Jesus, if there's any comfort from love, any participation in his spirit, as his apprentice, as we could say, any affection, any sympathy, complete my joy, Paul writes, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord with one mind, do nothing from rivalry, so don't compete, and do nothing from conceit, meaning better than one another, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Lift others up above yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He already had it all. He already had heaven. He already had unlimited power. Verse 7, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right? That proverb that says, pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Our problems are a result of our pride. Our successes are a reward for our humility. And it's in that competition where pride and ego and standing keep us so far from God and put each other down as we measure ourselves by one another. Uh, Jesus points this out clearly in the Sermon on the Mount where he talks about judging, right? Judging, how do you measure each other? Why do you judge someone else for their flaws? You know, the speck in their eye. We don't realize you have a plank in your own eye. The same way you measure them will be measured to you. Well, let's measure each other with the same measurement that Christ used. 
humbling himself. What did he say? If you want to go into the kingdom of heaven, you have to make yourself like a child. You have to be like born all over again. You have to start over. Humble yourself. Whoever is the least will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Your success is determined and is measured in Christ's rule book. This Jesus, who this Messiah, who entered Jerusalem on a donkey, humbled himself to be born in a manger. This Jesus who measured his success by being killed because he went that distance down, that sort of sacrifice, <clears throat> then God exalts him. So his name is above all names. So actually, instead of trying to measure our way up, we measure our way down and recognize that the lower we can make ourselves, the more God will exalt us. Our success will come by how we elevate others above us. Uh, the book of Romans chapter 12 talks about this as well. Romans 12:3 Paul writes by the grace given to me I say to everyone among you not to think him of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned because we're not all the same we all need each other he starts talking about the body and how we all fit together what if all the areas in our life that were faulty and failing right now were a result of us measuring ourselves against each other and comparing ourselves to one another and striving to grow in our faith? And what if the route to success in all of those things was a measurement down from Christ, who's this perfect level standard of measurement, describing to us exactly what God's like, exactly what it's like to be in the Father's house. And if we look at how far he brought himself down to raise others up, then we can realize that the route to the top is actually heading back to the beginning, humbling ourselves to be like a child. Let's apply it, okay? Let's think of specific examples because I don't want this to stay theoretical. Humility, actually, is the most practical of all the, the spiritual elements. I can't call it a tool in and of itself because it actually is the way that you use all the tools of the faith. So Jesus, when we talk about prayer, prayer is a tool that Jesus will teach us how to use when we become his apprentice. So that our prayers have power, enough to throw mountains into the ocean, Jesus says. But how do we measure our prayer? By humility. So if we measure our prayers against other people's prayers, you see this in the Sermon on the Mount, then we say, well, I pray better than him, or I, I pray more than him. If we measure our prayers against Christ, he starts to teach us, oh, look at how I pray. Jesus went aside and prayed all night long. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. He didn't pray for himself that he would be, you know, famous and popular. He prayed that God would use him to elevate others because he started so high and humbled so low. He had so much potential and God used it. And so the entire universe of people who will accept God could be elevated by one God-man humbling himself to the point of death. He went all the way down so everybody could go all the way up. So Jesus' measurement for prayer and humility is not, do you pray? Oh yeah, I pray during the day. It's, do you pray that God will use you to elevate those around you? 
Do you pray every day? Do you pray for hours? Do you pray for countries? Do you pray, God, your will be done? Uh, James says you don't get what you ask for because we ask with sinful motives that we may spend what we get on ourselves. You know, our prayers actually matters of pride or are they true humility? Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus applies the measurement of humility to the tool of prayer. So humility is, is used in every single thing. What's that great adage? I used it in the pergola this past summer all the time. Measure twice, cut once. We find ourselves, we're like, oh yeah, that's good enough. And then we start building stuff. Oh, that's good enough for my marriage. That's good enough. If I do this, that's good enough as a parent. And then we get to a certain point and our marriage starts rocking a little bit, starts getting shaky. You're like, well, I was measuring by the wrong standard. I thought if I just brought a paycheck home and dropped it on the counter, like, here you go, family, I've provided for you. I'm the husband, I'm the hunter-gatherer, I provided. That's what a man does. And you're like, well, now actually the relationship with my wife is getting really tenuous and we don't feel those feelings of love and those emotions of love anymore. And we don't communicate anymore. Oh, well, you were measuring it by a paycheck. So you just became a paycheck machine. You didn't actually become a husband. You didn't become a partner. You didn't become a, a spouse, a true equal. So you're not measuring your relationship by humility, about how you can serve this person. The way Ephesians says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what ways are you submitting to that person so that you can make them better, make their lives better? And in any way that that person needs you to be there, you be there because that's what they need. You're trying to help them rise up. So if we apply the measurement of humility to our marriage, we'd say, how am I humbling myself? Not how am I comparing myself to another? Because if we compare ourselves to one another, we're going to look better in some ways and we're going to look worse in others. But we look at them and say, why aren't you doing this? I'm doing all this. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. I did this, but you only did this and you never do this. And you said you were going to do this and you didn't do this, right? We're measuring ourselves against each other, but comparison is a killer. Humility is what is going to actually cause that person to rise. And when husbands give their lives up for their wives, and when wives respect and love their husbands with all they have, and when you submit to each other, trying to like compete for who can lift the other one up more instead of who can get what they need the most, then you'll find that the structure you're building is based on the humility of Christ. We're measuring down from Christ. And instead of saying, well, you're here and I'm here, it's like, well, from here down from Christ, that standard is crazy. I don't match up to it and, and you don't match up to it. But together, can we apply our lives to that standard? You know, husband and wife come together and they meet at the standard of Christ. And like, well, he's here. I'm here and you're here. It's neither where we could be, but can we humble ourselves? Let's strive for that. Let's grow together. Jesus, teach us how we can get there. See, see you apply humility to marriage and all of a sudden you're not competing anymore. You're not opponents anymore. Your teammates trying to build something f towards Christ's standard. Not his standard, what he needs and wants. Not her standard, what she needs and wants. So you see, you apply humility to prayer and all of a sudden the prayer becomes powerful and less self-centered. It actually happens instead of never happening. You apply humility, the measurement, to the skills of marriage building that Jesus teaches us how to do. And parenting, you're like, oh, this is the way I measure whether it's successful or not. Are these people in my life thriving? How can I elevate them? Where are they struggling? What can I need? You're going under. You're going under. You're going under. You're trying to lift rather than measuring and saying, well, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. How can this humility apply to other areas of our life? Jesus applies it to our wealth. 
You know, wealth is this measuring stick, right? We compete with each other based on how much we make. Oh, what do you do for a job? Oh, this person's a lawyer. Wow, they must make a lot. Oh, this person's in like a tech field. Or this person's a doctor. It's like, wow, they must make a lot. What do you do for work? Oh, you know, I, I drive a bus or I, I work as a, a trash, a garbage collector, or I'm a, I'm a teacher in a school. And like, oh yeah, like, well, it's just got this status thing because we're measuring each other against one another. And so we think of wealth as something that shows who's better than who. But if we look at God, who has everything, he has the cattle on a thousand hills, who has everything, and gave it all up to become a man to show us humility, we say, well, Jesus actually didn't have a house. He didn't have a job. He relied on the food and the, the caretaking of other people to provide for his basic needs. He had all the power in the world, but he didn't assemble an army, didn't create a nationality, a country. He did create a nationality. Christianity is a nationality. But Jesus used all of his wealth. He had all the wisdom in the world. But when he talked to people, he never made people feel stupid. He made even the, the weakest and the humblest feel worthy, feel his equal. You know, this man who knew everything about the entire universe, who was there when God made it, when he talked to an uneducated commoner, he just talked at their level. He told parables about seeds and plants and trees and bushes and the birds of the air and, and, and he just spoke their language. When we have all the knowledge in the world, usually when we're in conversation, we end up dominating the conversation. We end up, for everything that one person interjects, we interject five things about how we know about this and how we know about our knowledge becomes a divider because we measure ourselves. Someone says something, well, that's not exactly accurate because I saw this podcast or I read this book or I had this education. And so we're creating this measurement tool. Apply humility to our conversations and to our knowledge down from Christ and we say, a truly humble, brilliant person is going to make the people around them feel smarter. We apply humility to our wealth and we're going to say, a truly humble, rich person is one who makes people around them feel rich. The one who blesses people is like, oh, I can help with that anonymously. Or the person who doesn't flaunt their wealth to make them look better. You know, we, social media is the biggest culprit for comparison, right? How many likes did you get on this? How many friends do you have on that? Oh, look at their picture. They're so beautiful. Look at the vacation they went on. We compare ourselves to each, with, to each other. Paul wrote in there said, we have no understanding. It like clouds your minds. You don't actually get the big picture of the game. You're using a faulty standard of measurement. You don't realize that this person got to their looks through no effort on their own. They were just born that way, so they can't even take any credit for it. This person who feels like they're not as beautiful, they're not as attractive, they're not as thin, they're not whatever, they also can't take blame for it because they were just born looking a certain way. And the standard of measurement in the world changes. So beauty one year looks like this and beauty another year looks like this. And so we, we become insecure. We feel like we're failing. We feel like we're losing this battle, but it's a faulty measurement. It has no understanding. It doesn't make sense and it doesn't work and all it does is undermine us. But when we recognize that when we go down from this perfect measurement of Christ and he says, I am all you need. I love you no matter what you look like. I want you to know that you are worthy because God loves you so much that he sent me to die and I willingly chose to die for you. You're mine. You're my bride, right? You're my prize. I would do anything for you. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how much money you have. This humility, we realize that we're just accepted and the comparison goes away. It's, it's a waste of time. The competition goes away. It's a waste of time. There's nothing to compete for. And so we feel sometimes like if we humble ourselves too much, we're going to lose. If we humble ourselves in our marriage too much, they're going to win the argument. Who cares? It's not a competition. 
we operate from a place of total security and confidence. We feel insecure, like we're going to be, oh man, we're going to be insecure. Uh, we feel threatened. What if someone else looks better than me? Awesome. God loves you so much, it doesn't matter how you look. You're His. He died for you, and He called you, and He elected you, and He predestined you, and He's going to sanctify you and glorify you. You're set. So live out of a place of confidence. And the truly confident people, they're not afraid of making the people around them look better. It's actually humbleness. The more confident you are in God's love for you, the more content you are being humble and washing pots and pans and scrubbing floors and not needing to look your best every time you go out because God's got you. And so that level of humility makes others around you feel more comfortable because they realize they're not trying to compare themselves against you because you're not trying to compare yourselves against them. Comparison is a killer. The only true standard of measurement is humility. So you won't feel like you're losing the battle when you compare yourself to Christ because you realize there's no way to reach that measurement. But he's willing to humble himself to come down to our level wherever we are. And if we're standing in a ditch or if we've got bedrock, we've got to plant that post for our pergola deeper, he's going to go that deep to lift us up. And when we're standing on our high horse, on our high point, and looking down at someone who's less privileged, has less resource, less uh, ability, less natural um, you know, competence in a certain field, uh, we don't realize we didn't even get ourselves to that point. And if we're willing to humble ourselves like Christ, have His mind, we will realize that then God will lift us up. But be careful if we're trying to measure from the ground up. God opposes those people. He stops them dead in their tracks. He's like, oh, you think you can just start from your high point, work on your natural things, and just get a little bit, a little bit better? I'm going to just stop that. That's the Tower of Babel. I'm going to stop that short. Because no one attains to perfection. <laughs> But if you're willing to humble yourself and follow Christ, he will lift you up. And at his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, Jesus is my master. Jesus is the way to the top. And we get to the top by going back to the bottom. So use humility as your standard of measurement. Measure your marriage by humility. Measure your wealth by humility. Measure your intelligence by the humility standard of measurement. And you know, what this all beads to it and kind of builds to, I mean, what, what we can kind of wrap it up with is how we're going to measure success. How do you know if your life is successful? When, how do we know if it's going well? We know our life is successful according to Christ's standard of humility when the people around us are thriving. Christ knew he was successful when he died and rose again. And anyone who believed in him could have eternal life. The ultimate standard of success. Every sinner can be made right with God. We know that we're succeeding in our marriage when our husband and our wife are thriving. Because we have humbled ourselves. And when they're faltering, it means we're not helping to meet those needs. When they're uh, like being pushed down, it's because we're doing some of that pushing instead of the supporting and the building, considering their needs above our own. When our kids are becoming more and more insecure because they're on social media, we as parents have to recognize, I'm not succeeding in humbling myself under them to lift them up because they're falling. I got to get deeper. There's something under that ground that they're planting their post into that's getting muddy and it's getting soggy and it's getting eroded. Maybe they're comparing themselves against others. How can I get under them and get that foundation secure 
how can I lift them up? So when I see the confidence in our children and the, their feeling of full acceptance, whether they're thin or not, whether they're an A student or not, whether they're the professional athlete or not, whether they're in the highest paying job or not, that they feel loved and accepted and they know unconditional love, well then I know that that's my measurement of success. Not if I look better, I'm doing better in my job, I'm getting what I need from my relationships, I'm looking good, I'm doing this. No, how are the people around you looking? And if not, you've probably been measuring by the wrong standards. But don't worry, Jesus will measure his full humility. He'll humble himself down to wherever you're at and help you build. But you have to start building with the right standard of measurement and it's humility. When our, our people around us are thriving, we know that we have been instrumental in helping elevate them. You know, the best, uh, greatest athletes of all time were people that made their teammates better not just someone who excelled themselves. You know, in basketball, if you look at someone who's a ball hog who scores lots of points, he may get into the record books, but if his team never wins and he couldn't make the team better, it's not a measurement of humility and ultimate success, it's a measure of pride and ultimate failure. And we can look good, look good, real good, measuring ourselves against each other and then see God face to face and he's like, get out of here, I never knew you. That's a quote from Jesus. Let's not be that way. Let's be the people who look around at our team, be like, what's it going to take for our teams to succeed? New hope, our missional communities. What are we building? We're trying to build outposts for the kingdom in this world, our little bands of disciples. What's it going to take for our children to succeed in those communities? What's it going to take for newcomers to the faith to succeed and to learn from Christ in those communities? Let's build that. Build it by humility. When someone new comes into your missional community, do they feel like, oh, I wouldn't know what to say. I don't know how to pray these prayers. I don't know the Bible. Well, then you're probably measuring yourself against them and you're looking greater than them. But if your job is to elevate them, then we do whatever we can to say, well, what do they need? Oh, let's do that. Let's lift them up. Instead of someone coming and feeling like I could never compete. Right? Measure everything against humility. Jesus started the Beatitudes this way. You know, chapter five of Matthew. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble, the lowly. If you're willing to go low, you will be exalted by God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if we're looking to build the kingdom of heaven on earth, as it is in heaven, if we're looking to, to eventually grow up and build up into Christ, that perfect point to be in the kingdom of heaven, in God's house ultimately, it's going to take humility. Apply humility to every area of your life. Measure success by how those around you are doing, not by how you're doing, and what you can do to help those around you to succeed and thrive. Now you're starting to look like Christ. May everything we do be measured by humility. May we no longer look to our own needs, but in humility consider others more significant than ourselves. May we have the mind and the measurement of Christ in all areas of our lives and then see what God can build with that. God bless you as you build and work in his kingdom this week.